Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And away we go. That's, a, that's right. a new thing I'm working on. <laughs> when you always love that, let's I just love the questions. I don't want right into that. that. There are some, I'm not saying this is a good movie. Oh, what? That is Finnish Willem Dafoe. He, he looks, looks just like Willem Dafoe. He, I thought he looked very familiar. You're, don't throw out a fact. You are correct. You're Butler, correct. you should do some facts sometimes. Do some facts sometimes, Butler. Don't take my facts. <laughs> I'm pretty confident your brother doesn't listen to the Forgotten Cinema podcast, but if he does, boo. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So... Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm just going to go right. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the first. No, the second episode of the new year, because the last one was the, technically the first. True. So, right. <laughs> so we're doing something. Actually, we're doing a movie that Mike's never seen before that I have seen. Right. Yes. Yes. We are doing the 2016 movie Sing Street. Real quickly, Sing Street was released on Friday, May 13th, 2016. Now, technically, it was released April 15th, but that was like only 25 screens. So I took the I went through Box Office Mojo, which is now, I guess, part of IMDb Pro. Mm -hmm. And on the 13th of May, that's when it was at its most screened, which is 525 screens. So I took that as it's maybe it's wide open. Okay. Uh, because it's not really fair to judge what's, even though 525 screens is not a lot, it's not really fair to kind of judge that movie when it's only on 25 screens based upon like whatever big that, that weekend. I was wondering about that because I saw the domestic weekend gross was 63,000. On for the April that April fifteenth, uh, and I was like, ah, it doesn't seem. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it's not. And on that, not to skip ahead, but on the fifteenth of April, it's opening up against the Jungle Book, uh, Barbershop, the next cut, and Criminal. I mean, it's not really because it's only on, like I said, twenty twenty five screens. So, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely an indie production. Budget was four million dollars. Is a runtime of one hundred and six minutes. It's rated PG thirteen. So it's opening weekend, like you said, it was thirty five thousand for that. April date mm -hmm. for the May date, it's at that opening weekend was six hundred and twenty thousand. Domestic here it made three point two million worldwide, thirteen point six. It is technically a foreign film because it, it takes place in Ireland. It's an Irish film. It's produced by the Irish Film Board, I believe. I, yes. They were one of the producers, yep. so it's technically a foreign film. So when I say domestic, I, I mean I, that's us, but it's not technically that's not its domestic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that weekend on the thirteenth of May, you had Money Monster. And the darkness money monster was the George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie where the guy comes into the, he's like the CNN C-SPAN. Yeah. 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 It was okay. Yeah. I actually, you didn't, you didn't like it. It was, it was okay. Right. right. I don't remember the darkness. It's a horror movie. Something about a family in the grand Canyon. I remember the poster. I don't yeah. remember. On the, uh, the week after the 20th of May, you had the angry birds movie, the nice guys, which we're doing in probably a couple months, right? Yep. Nice and Neighbors that. 2. Uh, and then the week before this, May 6th, you had Captain America Civil War, or as I like to call it, Avengers 2.5. <laughs> but, I mean, but that's it's unfair to say that that's Sing Street's competition because that's technically not it those are, this is, we're in the beginning of May, which is the start of the summer season. Right. And that's not really Sing Street. Uh, so I, 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 even though these are other movies released at the same time, I don't really consider those movies competition, right? Because they're not really, they're not taking from uh, a group of people that are going to see this movie regardless. Like, there's not somebody going into theater going Sing Street or Captain America: Civil War. They're going to see Captain America: Civil War if they're there for that. Absolutely. And that's no knock on Sing Street because I actually like this movie quite a bit. Uh, directed by John Carney and written by John Carney, uh, he is from Once Begin Again. And he's actually doing uh, the new Prime series, Modern Love, starring Tina Fey and a bunch of other people. 
hmm. which I didn't know that. So now I kind of want to watch that because I had saw, I saw the ad for that. I was like, eh. And I was like, oh, wait, he's doing it? Okay, maybe I'll go. I haven't seen anything for that yet. I know she was doing a new show, but I didn't really see anything about right. it. Uh, Once and Begin Again, I really like, and I've been trying desperately for my wife to see them, but she will not see them. Once is very good. I've never seen Begin Again. I really like Begin Again. Uh, music by Gary Clark. Now, when I say he wrote some of the songs, he actually wrote the Go Now and, and Don't Go Now. <laughs> um, no, I take it back. I'm sorry. Those weren't his songs. But he he those were written actually by Glenn uh, Hansard, who did, wrote the song for Once. Once, yes. But anyways. Sorry, but Gary Clark did. Uh, he's done songs for like other movies, like Never Been Kissed, Charlie's Angels. So he's he's done other music before, and and he did. He wrote a lot of the songs. I think he wrote the song, um, the final song he sings at the part at the prom. Okay, what the when the not the final song, but the, the song, slow song. No, 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 the song that he imagines in his mind. Oh, the 1950s song. Okay. Right, right, right. Cinematography by Yaren Orbach who uh, did the cinematographer begin again. And actually he is the cinematographer for the new Dr. Strange movie. Dr. Strange and the madness of the multiverse. Multiverse. Yeah. Producers. uh, I only have, uh, I have one producer now because Carney was a producer, but I also have a producer, uh, Anthony Bregman. And he had, he had done um, Fox catcher, Schenectady, New York, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. All three movies that are, I like them. I'm those are, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of indie ish movies as well. Yes. Uh, Yes, indeed. I'll go through the cast real quick. Connor, who's our lead, played by, oh, I'm going to screw this name up, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo. That's how I'd say it. He is of Vikings fame. I don't watch the TV show Vikings. Do you? Or you've seen it? I want to, but I have not seen yeah, it. Yeah, I know it's it's on. It's got like six or five or six seasons, right? Six seasons. I think it's got, I think it's got one more season coming up, and then they have an offshoot show coming out next year as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rafina, played by Lucy Boynton. Uh, she is of she was in Bohemian Rhapsody more recently, Murder on the Orient Express, the remake, an apostle, not the remake, but oh, I guess technically Murder on the Orient Express is a remake. Penny was played by Maria Doyle Kennedy for you orphan black fans out there. She uh, was in that. She's also in the Tudors. She played Catherine of Aragon in the Tudors and she was in the Commitments, which is kind of a similar movie to Sing Street in terms of it's Irish and their songs. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan's played by Jack Rayner uh, from Midsummer, more recently Free Fire, and he has the he has the distinction of being the guy in the Transformers movie that comes off real creepy when he realize when he he's the one that he's her boyfriend mm-hmm. and Mark Wahlberg, who's her father, is like you're, you're too old for them. He's like not Texas law, and he pulls out that card that says that he's like the 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 law between how old you have to be to date a 16 year old. If you've been dating before, like it's a real weird law. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> no. Really? You don't remember that? Was that, it was, first, like, was, was that the first no. Mark Wahlberg one? Or yes, the second? It's the first one. So it's the fourth uh, one. Technically that. it was real specific. Like they put it in there to like, just like people wouldn't complain about, uh, he's old, way older than his teenage daughter. It was really bad, but um, I actually like <laughs> I actually like Jack Rayner a lot in this movie. Yes. He's really good in this. Uh, Robert played by Aiden Gillen, who uh, I probably screwed his last name up. No, that's it. He played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. And I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but he it, his arc does have a satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. He's also in Maze Runner. Amen, played by Mark McKenna. Uh, he's more recently in Overlord. And Barry, who plays that, who's the bully, played by Ian Kenny. He is going to be, he was in Solo. Mm-hmm. I don't know what part in Solo, but he was in Solo. He's also in the upcoming Gretel and Hansel. And he's in the Dublin Murders, which is on Stars, which I read those that book. So I, I'm, I that's why I put it in there because I want to watch that. Um, and now I have the distinction of breaking down what Sing Street's synopsis is about. So, and then we can get into it. So with the recession hitting the people hard in Dublin during the 1980s, Connor is moved from his private school to a tough inner city alternative, which is Sing Street of the Christian Brothers. I think it's, that's what it's called. As he tries to adjust to a new way of life, he decides to start his own band. But this is after he, he decides to start his own band after he sees Rafina across the street, a girl. So he starts his own band for a girl as, as his brother uh, tells him, Brendan tells him, you know, obviously it's for a girl. What's her name? When he says, I'm starting a band, he's yep. like, what's her name? Uh, so, yeah. So I had not seen this movie since I saw it in the theaters, I think. So this was the second time I watched it probably. Okay. Um, and I liked it just the same. I, I, I liked it back then. I like it now. I'm interested to hear your take on it. So why don't you just kind of hit me with something? Hit you with something. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very well done. And I like how the movie doesn't play as overly dramatic nor overly touchy feely. 
uh, most of the time. I kind of liked that. The music was never a way to, it was about music, but it was about music. It was Rufina and Connor's relationship never took away from the fact that first and foremost, it's about kind of the creative process, I would say, and, and, and making something and creating something. And I like how that really took up, maybe not more, but just as much as the romance between the two characters, which I thought made the movie interesting and stand on its own as just another kind of romantic teen comedy or dramedy. Well, now, (laughs) you don't think that it's also more about, you know, his relationship with his brother in terms of, I mean, that's, that's, I know it deals with family, but it mainly deals with, because his family in this movie is breaking up. Right. And they they can't be divorced because it's not in the eighties or this takes place in nineteen eighty five, and back then it was illegal to get divorced in Ireland until they until nineteen ninety seven. So they could only get legally separated. So, but they were that's where they were headed because that's towards the end of the movie, right? Uh, but you don't think that this movie deals with his relationship with his brother? I think it does, and I think that's a big part of the movie. But I don't see when the end comes up and the the movie is dedicated to brothers everywhere, and I was like, oh, that's nice. And while that's a, a decent chunk of the movie, I didn't feel like that that kind of took a backstreet to both Rafina and the creative, the idea of the creative process. Although the brother was big on inspiring and helping his brother get there. Um, but it definitely has you know, a great brother relationship in the. Right. Well, I, th- I think the, the f- four brothers, I think it's too far. I read a couple of things and, and it could be twofold. It's about his relationship with his older brother or just brothers in general, but it also could be about the brothers of the Christian school kind of like at oh, the end when brothers right you know right like when he crap. tells him he's like you know mozart wore makeup he's like what am i salieri who <laughs> head down to the toilet and remove the makeup right now why because i told you to but i'm in a band it's a school band and i think it's important that we have a look you're a man men don't wear makeup but why not people in the 18th century wore makeup that means people like Mozart wore makeup and he was a man. So you're Mozart now, are you? That makes me Salieri, is it? Who's Salieri? Um, yeah, so I think it could be, a, I read that it could be a both of those. Okay. But I will say that one of the things that, and I'm not breaking any new ground here when I say this, when I talk about the brother, the brother angle with uh, Brendan and Connor. Yes. The idea that when you're an older brother and you... And he talks about it. He says, you know, I was there macheteing the way so you could have a nice and easy. You I were in my jet there. stream. Yeah. Right. I had to sit there for six years in the middle of two people that did not love each other that had a kid. And I had to sit through that so that you could have it nice and easy and you don't have to worry about what I had to deal with. Like, that's a big that's that's really, really like I don't want to say a deep moment, but that's a huge thing that you a lot of people don't understand about older siblings. Like they are the first they deal with you know, the anxiety of a, of a, of a new parent, they have to deal with that kind of like every little thing, like, Oh my God, is he, is he hurt? What's wrong? What's wrong? You know, they have right. to deal with that. That affects an older child. And and the fact that, you know, he's in a family that these two people don't like each other. Right. You know, he has, to, you know, he probably, his childhood was probably not very, as he said, not very easy. Yes. I was alone with them for six years. You think they're crazy now? Think about what they were like when they were in their late 20s. Two Catholics in a rented flat with a screaming baby who just got married because they wanted to have sex. They didn't even love each other. I was in the middle of that alone. And then you came along. Thank God. And you followed the path that I cut for us. Untouched. You just moved in my jet stream. And I think that Connor... In a way, I mean, I know it's only like, it's probably only six months, right? This, this whole, it's a school year. The whole school, it's a half a school year because they complete their midterms and then. Because he just leaves. He leaves, he runs away. Yeah. So it's almost like he has to, he witnesses, or no, I'm sorry. His view, his perspective of his brother changes in terms of, you know, Brendan, my older brother, he's the one that helps me. He's my mentor. He's, you know, giving him albums to talk to listen to listen to this you want to do this and yeah right and he gives him and he gives him all that info he gives him all that information he gives it all that like kind of like not the lectures but uh teaching moments yes but at some point connor's perspective of his own brother shifts in terms of like oh wait he's somebody who was just like me he's somebody who wanted to write music he's somebody who 
had dreams and aspirations, you know, I never, you know, realized I'm not, none of this is said in the film, but it's almost like there's this perspective shift of, of his own brother, even though Connor at the end of the movie is going off to do is to chase his dream. Right. Although it happens a little late in the movie that happened a little late in the movie for me right. because it's like, okay, it's over. Now you get this, this sudden shift with your brother no longer being your mentor, but the movie is already pretty much over. I thought that came maybe a little too late for me. Sure. In terms of I had dreams, I wanted to be this and that, that whole, that whole thing could have come midway. What's I the, feel. What's the last movie we did? Cause I can't remember. What did we do last week? Yeah. You're blanking too. Uh, We're old. We do a lot of movies. So, well, we've had this discussion before and I think it was last week where in a movie you end up, there's two plots that develop. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like two separate, uh, strange days. Right. How did I forget that? Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that movie, in strange days, you had two. remember we had two, the two plots that developed where Ray Fine's character, Lenny, you had Lenny like, going after right, stop solving his mystery. And then you had Mace who was dealing with the corrupt cops. And it kind of, at some point during that movie, it schismed into two different big plots. Yes. You know, they were competing for each other. It's almost like in this movie where you have, like I was equally interested in his relationship with the brother, his relationship with his brother and even his family to some extent, his mother definitely. And the kind of like brewing romance, which with him and Rafina just kind of like, or him finding himself with Rafina in terms of like them finding their, their true path or right. You know, their happiness. Like, so at some, you, there's two plots that that subplot becomes such an intriguing main, you know, main plot that you're like, Oh, wait a minute, which one do I want to root for? Which one do I want to see more closure in? Right. I agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. And they wrap it up together because his, you know, his brother drives him, which I think is an awesome moment when, He's and he's just like, we're leaving. And he's like, it's, it's a great idea. I'm driving. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I thought that was a great moment. We're going to sail to England, the two of us. We're all set. We just need a lift to the harbor. Yeah, sure. When are you thinking of going? Now. Now. Do you know anybody in England? No. Do you need Sterling? No. No? No. <laughs> she has her photographs. I have my demo tapes and videos. <laughs> Let's go. Get the keys. There's a lot of there's a lot of little moments aside from the musical numbers, which I I liked all the music in this. The music is really good, right. yeah. And they kind of like delve into movie music video kind of like look when they they perform them each, each of the, each of these songs. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with yeah. the brother. The brother aspect was very interesting. I just feel like the turn at the end where he gets upset with his brother could have happened about midway. And that would have created a nice character arc where he no longer has this mentor to help him with his music. And like, he's got to maybe develop on his own. Right. Um, whereas if this is happens at the end, he's already pretty much developed and see quite a, quite a song writer yeah. with him and Eamon as well, which was also a really good relationship. I really liked the scenes between him and Eamon. Um, yes. As they collaborated on how to make music. Cause a lot of times if you see like Bohemian Rhapsody or, you know, all the Elton John movies like a solo. I'm just thinking something newer. Sure. Whenever you see like a musical like that, it's, it's, well, Once does a good job of that too, where it's like one person usually creates the music and the other person creates the lyrics or the song or the feel. What's the emotion of the music? Yeah. And well, I really liked that kind of collaboration they had in the scenes that they had together. We help me write a song. Always. I gotta find the why doesn't she believe in destiny? Well, she was always going on about London. It was so important to her, almost like part of her identity. But maybe it was just in her head. Well, the the main difference in once and between once and Sing Street is the not the reluctance of the I can't remember her name in the movie, but the female lead. Mm -hmm. Like she has a, a a personal life that is pulling her away from that music. Right. And and in this one, it's just like, want to make music? Yeah, let's go. Like they're just all in. Yeah. Which is great because that's what kids are. They're like, let's do, we're going to do this. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, and, and once you more, you had a, I can't, you know, my, my, you know, I'm, I have to stay, take care of my children, you know, with my, my take care of my husband, all that stuff. Yeah. Um. She has kids in the movie, right? Uh, I've seen once in forever. Time. It's only but, been but, in the while. I only saw it once. My point is basically, <laughs> oh, zing. We'll be here all night. Uh, yeah. So in once she had that kind of like pulling away from the music. Right. And this is all about this the music. All, Everyone's all, in. all into the music. Right. Which makes for a kind of a happier story. I mean, 
at no point, even though, you know, his relationships break, his relationship with his parents is falling apart. And toward the end, his brother uh, and Rafina always together, is like though. back and forth. I never got it. It was a very uplifting, positive movie. It was never like he went to the new school. He got beat up once by the bully. And then after that, it was like it wasn't about that kind of negative space. It was about the good things about growing up. Right. Well, I think you. It's, well, he says it. He says, I, ch- I, you know, in the movie, Connor says, when I he choose stands to up be to let, uh, right. I, you're, you, you know, you don't create anything. You just destroy everything, you know? And then he basically says, you can't, there's nothing you can do to me. He doesn't, he's so super confident. Like, right. You know, it's not about, it's not out of nowhere. He just eventually says, you know, screw it. I'm, this is what I want to do. And I love the fact that every time they start listening to new albums and he's got the new the band, album. It's- <laughs> like they all just start dressing. They eventually all start dressing like him and they all just follow his way. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's great. And, that you brought up Barry the bully, Barry the bully, Barry the bully. When I first, I remember first watching it. I just remember all oh, the bully, you know, blah, blah blah. But like, I felt really bad for the for him in this movie. Like to the point where I really liked what they did with Barry. He had a small arc, but he, he did, yeah. But he became like kind of like one of them mm-hmm. almost, and I thought that was really cool. Like especially when he's like. When the father's like, oh, you're making a music video. I can't even do the accent. You're making a music video. It's like Italian. What are you doing? I, I stopped. <laughs> you kept. I I stopped the accent, Butler. So anyway, so when he sees, oh, you guys making a movie? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then Barry makes it. It's like, he's like, oh, you should do that. Oh, and he makes it funny. He just slaps him across yep. the face. I'm like, oh, Barry. God. Oof. And then when they go and they go and basically make him that offer. He's like, get me a beer. Yeah. He's like, you see my I'm worthless. My parents say I'm worthless. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was. I, I liked what they did with Barry to the point where I know he was the bully and, and you almost are engineered with all the movies and, and books that you read and TV shows that you're engineered to to hate the bully. Right. Because he be the bully, he or she in whatever movie you're watching, or whatever book you're reading, they're supposed to be the antagonist to your protagonist. But in this, it's not. It's almost like Connor's confidence and Connor's spirit wins out and can defeat that. Right. You know, I th- I just I like that. They, I like that it wasn't a usual trope with with the bully. I like that they kind of like brought some kind of arc to it and some kind of finish to it. Agreed. Now, you know, granted, if Connor's leaving on a boat to uh, to England, crossing the channel, which, you know, he could be dead. We don't know if he <laughs> survives not, the trip. That's not exactly easy. Um, you know, he does. You know, Who knows if Barry goes back to that? But, you know, I'd, you'd like to think no. You'd like to think that he. Everything works out. Listen, he gets a record deal. He comes back. He brings everybody on. Even the little kid is his producer. <laughs> also, Barry's a master test taker. When he's just like, <laughs> the test, he just throws it uh, out. Suck my dick. Yeah, he throws it in the thing. <laughs> That's about when I knew that maybe Barry was going to end up kind of with the band is because all the bandmates were like shrugging, didn't know. And then they also show Barry, who was also like kind of like one of them. And I was like, all right, there's something's going to happen with Barry. Yeah. But I do like when he finally throws the rodeo, when he throws the bully off. This is for all the kids, students, teachers, and bullies. And the bullies stand up and he just throws them off the stage. Uh, and he goes, eh, yeah, eh? And he points to him like, he's like, yeah, all right. Like, I, like, he, was, like he was so proud to push him off. Yep. <laughs> so I, I really liked the music video parts as well. Okay. And I, I really liked how... You know, they had their, their hand-drawn storyboards and like, and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to get a shot of this. It really reminded, brought me back to when I was younger and I tried to make all my little tiny movies and stuff like that as a kid. And like having your friends there dressed up all ridiculous, about to shoot a scene in the middle of public. Yep. Just like, yep, no, we're doing this. If people see us, they see us. Let's just go. Yep, yep. And I, I really enjoyed most of that. And like when they, at the end, when they're like, or in one of the music videos where she's supposed to jump into the water and then it looks stupid jumping out of the thing. She just jumps into the water. Remember the, some of the stupid stuff I did to get the scenes I wanted when I was a kid shooting stuff. Sometimes you got to do that. Exactly. But I, I really enjoyed those moments. Those moments were really kind of like the movie takes place before I was born. So not a lot of that was like nostalgia, but that part was like that brought me back to the childhood because I think that's something a lot of creative types can kind of. Oh, yeah. What's the word I'm thinking? Connect to. Yes. Well, when we, I don't know if I ever told you this, we shot, was it The Usher? You've never seen The Usher and you probably will, yeah. not, will never see The Usher. <laughs> uh, so when we shot this really bad movie, we shot it late at night at, at the theater that we were working at. One of the scenes was he was uh, one of the guys, one of the kids playing uh, character was supposed to fall down the stairs. And these were like, these were basically cement stairs, but they were covered in rubber, like in the hard rubber. So it mm-hmm. was not, not nice. It did not feel good. And I was like, listen, just go down a couple steps. Don't worry about it. And this kid went down the whole steps 
And like I, we were shooting it, and he was just like boom, boom, boom. We're like, oh my god, are you? He's like, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, oh my god, like he. And I'm like, did you slip? He's like, no, nah, man, I just, I went for it. I'm like, oh god, it's a great <laughs> shot, but I was like, oh, I'm so worried. Um, I won't mention his name, but uh, uh, you know, I always respected that. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, there were some great lines in this movie. I know I brought up a couple. One of my favorite lines is when he's talking to his brother about the other guy who picked up Rafina. Oh, I think like, I have the same note. He picked, up, he picked them up and he, and he was like, blasting music. What was he listening to? Genesis. He will not be a problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> no woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't play word games, Ann. I don't do words. Like he has a lot of the, his brother has a lot of really great lines. Yeah. I also love the line when he's trying, when Connor's telling Eamon and uh, I can't remember the little kids and the kids who's the manager. He's telling that we should play at the the prom at the right. dance. And Eamon's like, oh, I got to study for midterms. My mom wants me to go, you know, go do proper, get get a proper degree, all that stuff. Yep. And he's like, and then Eamon's like, will there be girls there? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eamon's got a lot of good lines, too. What are you doing? Just rabbit stuff. Yeah, he's just got a ton of rabbits. <laughs> What's the story with you and rabbits? I just love them. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Just feeding my new bunny. <laughs> the other line that I liked was um, when he they're they're telling Connor that he's going to the Sing Street School, mm-hmm. and he and he reads uh, either the dad, I think a, the dad reads the like the Latin quote or something like that, and uh, Brandon, the Jack Rainer character, is like, "What does that mean? Let's rape our students." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny. Let's be a man. <laughs> Which I'm surprised that, like, I don't, I mean, I I have limited knowledge of how the school system works in Ireland, but to go from a private school to a Christian, to a boys Christian school, I mean, that must be free then, right? I mean, if if you're trying if to save money, money, or maybe it's just cheaper. Is that their version of public school? I don't I know. Don't, I don't know. Especially in the 80s. I mean, like I said, I have limited knowledge, so who knows? Well, the other thing is, like, some of that, like, it was harder to relate to because I never went to, like, I know you went to an all boys school. For high school, yes. And it was... And it was Catholic. It was a Catholic, yeah. yeah. So I, my girlfriend went to a Catholic school up, to, up until high school. But, like, I never went... I've always been in the public school system. So I've I've never kind of known that experience. Sure. So I feel like that's a little bit more relatable to someone like you or yeah. Yeah, anybody who goes to, like, an all-something there's, school. Or in, a, school. in an all-boys school, there's definitely... Uh, uh, you, you have, like, this, like, brotherhood. Because you, you, you're... The... What's eliminated out of the school experience is just the anxiety of being in school with girls and just kind of like, you know, not getting embarrassed, you know, not, you know, just in general, just kind of like just being with the opposite sex, which, right. you know, I don't care how cool teenagers think they are when they're in a room with the opposite sex and they're in teen, they're teenagers, they're, they're nervous. They don't know how to, they, they're, they don't know how to act or right. behave. So in, in the school I went to, it was just basically just about hanging out and, you know, obviously doing the schoolwork and stuff like that, but you, it was more of just kind of like just hanging out and, right. and getting stuff done. I played basketball. So it was a lot of sports stuff. Um, when I was in, I was in the honor society too. So I had to do a lot of stuff there. Nerd. Jock nerd. I was sixth in my class senior year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Shut up. Father. Very proud of that. <laughs> Why couldn't I get fifth? <laughs> All right. So, I'm curious if anything, if you didn't like anything, like, there's two, I want to, and I want to get into why we think it was forgotten, which is pretty easy, but is there anything that jumped out that you kind of were like really down on? I really thought like, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a movie, so you don't have a lot of time it is to, a movie, to yes. you know, go over every character, but I thought they didn't maybe go into enough of the other bandmates. They just kind of found the other two or the other three rather. Yeah. So like the, um, the keyboardist, the bassist and the, um, the keyboardist, Drummer, what, like, his name was Engig, Engig, yeah, or something like Engig. that. But he like they weren't looking for him; they were like looking for somebody else. And she and because they were saying they asked for somebody else, didn't they? And she's and she was the mother. Was like, no, he he lives down the down the. Uh, oh, I thought she was being sarcastic. Oh, was she? she? Goes, yeah. Oh, How many okay. black do you think that. live in Ireland? Right? Oh, that's right. Okay, then. All right, never mind that. And then they're like, "Does he play music? I don't want you go." I ask love the guys. Himself. Like, of course, the kids. Like, of course, he plays. You know, of course, oh, he plays yeah. music. Yeah. And then he's like, "I could maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe." And then he's playing the keyboard. <laughs> um, and then the other two kids are just like looking for a drummer and a bassist. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. And they just take the paper. They yeah. just crumple it up like they've already found it. Well, that's. I mean, again, like I think that goes to you know kids. 
you know, the tweens, teenagers, like they yeah. want to do something, we're going to do it. You know, like, you know, I, I see it on my 10 year old when she, she wants to draw and, and she's on her, she's constantly on her phone and I'm like, aren't you drawing? And she's like, I am. And all she has her apps on her and she doesn't have a phone. She has an iPod. Mm-hmm. All she has her apps and all she's doing is drawing on her apps and stuff like that. And so, so she, I mean, you, you want to do it. You just do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean that I, I could use a little bit more of that. Um, the relationship with the other guy, Rafina's other guy. Well, they don't really go into that too much, yeah. Ethan or whatever his name is, I think. Yeah, the guy that takes her to London but then lied about it. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't end up taking her to London. Goes this go to a CD mo- She leaves her at motel. a B and B. Yeah. So he basically just wanted to get with her. Yeah. Which is like it's kind of you see it coming and it's just kind of like added on there. It's like it will, you could have had the same thing with her just wanting to have that dream. And that was what was getting in the way of the two of them. I don't know why they needed that guy to be that extra step. And she wasn't in school and she was only a year older than Connor. She was 16. She, I think she had dropped out of school. Although I think if you're in an all girls boarding house, they still make you go to school. Yeah, I imagine. But again, that might go to my limited knowledge of what Ireland. Goes, yeah. yeah. I, I just, at I that point, maybe you're too, maybe you're old enough to be able to make your own decision at that point. Maybe you can leave school at that. It's not a, yeah. Okay. Maybe she, the, um, when she drops the molestation, bomb on him as they're walking when she talks about the fa- her father you didn't catch that maybe I missed okay so she's talking about how her mother was in and out of she, uh, psych units psych wars yes. and then she would got dressed, she got dressed up one this is at the pier she got dressed up one night and her father said no no st- why don't you stay home with me and then after he was finished she she didn't understand that because her mother was always prettier than her like she says that Oh, I might have missed that. Uh, oh, really? Because yeah. yeah, I took that as to mean like her father molested her. Oh, and I was like, oh my god! And she does it so matter of fact, so just kind of like you know, yeah. And he's just like staring at her, like, oh shit! Like, what am I supposed to? You know, like it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And and just he just obviously instantly feels for her, and and I think that just strengthens his his kind of love for her, right? But uh, yeah, no, I I I'm, I mean, because you didn't catch that. Now I'm wondering I, if I caught that wrong. I didn't catch that. I'd have to go back and watch that scene. But I mean. I'm wondering who maybe I just misread that. That does make sense because because earlier when she talks about her parents, she is pretty happy that her dad is dead. So that's true. That must be what it was. And that's yeah, got okay. that makes yeah. a lot more sense. That yeah. kind of because just your dad being a drunk and getting killed, it's like, well, I mean, what else adds to that? Like yeah. you're drunk, okay, but what did you do when you're drunk? And that makes sense now, right? And I like their awkward. I like their awkward moment on the island when they're kissing, and she he's gonna kiss her again. Oh, I love that, and she's got the crackers. Yeah. And she's like, no, nope, not yet. <laughs> I thought that was really realistic. And I really and and I really love her when she jumps into the water, and he's like, "You're crazy. Why'd you do that?" And she says, "You never do anything by half. You know, you, you can never do anything by half." You and have that's to, when and, he finally kisses her. Right, right, exactly for the first time. Yes, yep. absolutely. But also, that's great. That's great. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Advice. 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 It is great advice. I also really like, and I mean, it's, it kind of like sucks (laughs) because like it was, it was a crappy thing to say, but when she's sitting there after she comes back from not being able to go to London from that B&B and she's like, this is my life now working at McDonald's, uh, sitting here with a 15 year old schoolboy, and he gets all upset. Oh yeah. And then he's like, I I gotta go. I'm doing another thing. And then she instantly snaps back and like, I don't want to lose my only friend. Well, like, why did I say that? She goes, Oh really? What, what's it about? And he's like, I'm not telling you now. Yeah. Which is great. Cause he's just like, that's not what he is. He's, yeah. he's he, and almost like, it's almost like he's ticked off at her because he's like, don't, haven't you been paying attention to what I've been doing? Yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not screwing around. And that that's, I really like, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, and really well done. Uh, I also, <laughs> I really like the scene when they're in the uh, auditorium rehearsing for their 1950s uh, back to the future style music oh, yep, video. Yep. And he asked all the kids, have you guys seen Back to the Future? And none of them have seen Back to the Future. And they have the, they're the worst snappers in yeah, history. Yeah, like you just snap your fingers and dance. Is that is that only in the United States? Apparently. Is that, did the 1950s not happen in Ireland? Because I'm pretty sure the 1950s still happened in Ireland. Snapping is a real issue in oh Ireland. Oh my God. <laughs> they were like I've full got body no snapping. rhythm and like I can do better than that. <laughs> they're like full body snapping. <laughs> if you could see me now, I was just, I was just demonstrating it was, what, was, what the snapping it was, was all awful. about. Uh, I, I also didn't, I don't know if I like, did you like when they go to the, how the music video was supposed to be? Like his dream version of the music At video? At the end? When yeah, when when they're snapping, then he just sings anyway because Rafina doesn't show up, and it shows you what his music video. Yeah, was. I, I did. You didn't like that? I liked the concept. I liked what it looked like, and I thought it was funny. But I just don't know if I liked. 
its placement in the film when all of the other music videos have been actually showing you their music videos. And this one just shows you what their perfect version would have been. What instead he, of what, what he did, envisions. Yeah. Instead of what did it actually come? Well, it's the culmination of you're leading up to that. So you're leading up to almost like the big dance number, the big video at the end. And you know, said you get this fake video, but like, what did his real video? He still made his real video. No, well, they yeah, they said let's shoot it. Let's but, just shoot it. So what did that come out? With? Oh, I got you. So maybe I, I would have liked that I better see. if we still got to see the real thing. But all of a sudden, showing us this dream version of a music video when the rest of the time you've showed us the nitty gritty, like them putting the effort into making these cute little, you know, music videos that took a lot of effort. Yeah. And now you're showing me this made up well, dream version. You're showing you're sh- you're seeing his what he wishes would be true, his parents together, his brother a hero, you know, his brother doing well and and and, and his, his his the, the priest his, uh the priest doing, I, I loved <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing when he does the cartwheel and then he looks up and he blesses them and he's yep. like thumbs up I'm like oh perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't stop laughing. Like I had one of the notes I have here is that even even though yes, it deals with some subject matter that's tough, and and there's some not every moment is happy, but right throughout the movie, you just watch with a smile on your face. Yeah, music and everything, and all the all the 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 just them getting together, them performing the music, them putting their video the, the music videos together. It's just a, it's just kind of like yeah, all right. It's an, a very uplifting film. Sure, it's not like. It's a drama and it's got a lot of like heavy stuff that this kid is dealing with, but he deals with it in a really positive, uh, good way. Yeah. It's not often seen in, in films, especially oh, Indian films. It's not in, often seen films. in any yeah. film these days. You're talking about uplifting tales and uplifting tales oh, yeah. of like teen angst and stuff like that. It's always like sure. super solemn or super sure. depressing, especially if you want to be an indie. I feel like you feel, mm-hmm. have, feel like you might have the need to make it as sad and depressing because it makes your your pictures seem deeper than it really is. People think that if you have a happy ending in your movie, you are a sellout or you are not, you're not, you're disingenuous. Right. And that's bullshit because it is all how you look at life. Yep. It's all how you look at, you know, you, you know, your stories and when I'm sorry, but if you, if, if granted there's a difference between melodrama and kind of like sugary, you know, sugary sweetness of a movie. Yes. And term, but in terms of just, you know, this movie, Sing Street, is a movie that he's dealing with a lot of crap. And he says it in the movie where he's just like, I choose not to let this. I don't care. I'm at school with a bunch of rapists and, and you know, people who be right. You know, yep. and I like, but I choose not to do that. I choose to be to do what I want to do and to and to make my way and to not let that that stuff get me down. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but like that's that's not, you know, everyone on on social media always talks about like, we need this more of this in our life. We need more of this in our life. You know, we, Oh, we, I just want happy puppy videos because I want to be happy. It's like, look around. There are stories that do this. Yep. Look at your life and just look at the good things in life. It's so, you know, it's, I hear what you're saying and I agree. Like, you know, like a movie like this, like comparing his movies. So like a movie like once. Right. Cause let's get into, that's probably, that is probably a good, what you're talking about is probably a good one of the reasons why this was probably forgotten was that it was somewhat uplifting, somewhat happy, even though some would argue that they're going to die in the English channel. But (laughs) Knock into that fairy boat. Although I do like the symbolism at the end. Did you notice he's riding that wake again? He's riding that jet stream. Yes. So that's that symbolism at the end is like, all right, he's back to riding another jet stream. That could be good or bad, though. Well, that's he's he's safe in the jet stream. He was before his yeah. brother, so maybe that jet stream will keep him safe again. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. So I wrote that note. Then I was like, ah, oh, back in the jet stream. But that could be why it's forgotten. Just kind of like people really would want something different. Maybe well, people love once, and I, once is sad. Is sad. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, this is. I can see why he would maybe the director. Um, John Carney. Yes, John Carney would want to follow up with this film because. It's kind of the opposite of of once. It's well. This was after. This is after. This isn't a follow up to once because he did Begin Again. Right. No. Is Begin Again a musical though? It is Begin Again. Okay. It Begin is. Again is about Kira Knightley. Uh, she's the girlfriend of Adam Levine. Well, he's not Adam Levine in the movie. But, <laughs> and so, like, she helps him. She writes songs for him. She helps him. He's becoming a star, and then she and he's going on tour, and she, he ends up cheating on her. And she finds out, so they break up and she wants nothing to do with it and her life's in whatever. She And she starts doing music. And she meets Mark Ruffalo. Is it Ruffalo or Ruffalo? It's Ruffalo, Ruffalo. right? Yeah. 
and he's a producer, but he's a producer that is wants honest and he doesn't want to sell out. He's part of a label. So he leaves the label. He's just kind of like on his way out and he's having, he's on the outs with his wife. He's lost. They're not divorced, but they've lost, like they've lost their way. Okay. And he meets Karen Knightley and he wants to produce her music. He wants to do an album with her and nobody will do it. So he's like, screw it. Let's do it together. So he basically, they do, they do an album, but they do music videos for each song. And so it, so they're just, they're doing them in the streets of New York. They're running around and just doing music videos. Right. And basically he, he discovers what he loves about music. He discovers, you know, his, his wife and him find their way back to each other, you know, that kind of thing. It's so it's kind of, it, it's, it's an uplifting movie and it's okay. fun. And like, it's, 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 I like it a lot. So yeah, so that's what that, so that's what beginning is. Beginning end is okay. very similar to Sing Street rather than once. Right. It seems like the adult version of Sing Street. Eh, a little of, bit. In your description. No, I hear you. Um, all right, so I could be back, butchering that. Take back, take back what I say. No, no, no. I, I think you're right. I, no, it it's doesn't matter. Kind of it's a follow up. It's still, of, yeah, it is. Right. It's, it's not. People won't. People like the people like the dour note of once. They they you know the the sadness. I feel like the sadness is what people like. Other than the uh, the main song in once, mm-hmm. um, the sadness is I think what people kind of remember and mm-hmm. plumbed onto when that first came out. Well, even that song in once that that song is so good them together. That right. Because they'll never be together again. They'll never make that music again. The whole movie is very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do really like Glenn Hansard. A lot of his music is sad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, well, whatever. But it works. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I feel like whereas that would maybe be like a sad story. This is kind of an uplifting. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe that is why it's forgotten. I think that's part of it. I think part of it's an indie. It's a $4 million movie. It's an Irish film. It's a foreign film technically. So it only opened. On its biggest screen count was 525 screens in the in the middle of May when that's not where this movie should be. This movie should be probably it should be around Oscar time. It only got one. It got a it got a Golden Globe nomination for Best Picture, you know, comedy or musical. Which oh, that's ma- good. Which makes sense. Yep. This is a movie that you want to see in the fall. This is a movie you want to see, you know, closer toward December or something like that. True. So True. It's, it's not really a summer film. I'm wondering because the um, it also reminded me a little bit of uh, of course now it's not going to perks of being a wallflower. Okay, in terms of you know just these awkward uh, kids or find other classmates who kind of bring out your weirdness and your weirdness is good, and that film I feel did well. Well, that film has more. That movie, the perks of being a wallflower, has more of an there's more of an antagonist in that in terms of the idea that you're weird and you don't fit and that, you know what I mean? Like right. it deals with that a little bit more than, than sing street does. Sing street isn't just about the music and it's just about them finding their way. It's also got stars and perks for being a wallflower too. Oh, of course. Yeah. The names probably don't hurt, especially, you know, names like Emma Watson. This is probably Ezra Miller's like first thing though. So yeah. Or one of them. Do you like, let me ask you a question because this is this is off the topic of Sing Street, but okay. because you you brought up a movie, so you, do you like when big name actors do indie films, or do you or do you prefer indie films with good actors, but but indie actors that you don't know? Like, do you think there's more? Do you think it's a bit more to use or whatever to use this this podcast disingenuous when a bigger named actor does something smaller? Then the other way, when when you you discover almost somebody like not only is this movie good, but while wow, these people are really good and they're not because you don't, you know what I mean? I like it when you have an independent film and your star isn't a big name actor, but mm-hmm. you have a big name actor in the film. Okay, so they are they are there to get that film funded, and they are there to showcase this new talent that otherwise wouldn't be showcased. Showcase that writer director, sure, but also showcase all the new talent you could be. You can be the father character, the cousin character, the friend, but you want to lift up this film and these these new people because Hollywood needs more new blood and they they don't like that. They don't do it. They never do it. Well, because they don't know it. They rarely do it. They, they're they, afraid of yeah. they're afraid of it. And well, more so now than they don't know how to make money off of it. Yes. So more so now than ever, I think that's an issue. Not that I mind independent movies that use big name stars as their main characters, but you're watching it for them. And it kind of, they kind of, their name they, overshadows the rest of They bring of the, the baggage of their life, whether they're a big time celebrity or just the baggage of other roles to right. this role. And, and you know, you're like, oh, look, it's so-and-so doing, you know, 
doing something indie or how much do he do this for? Like he doesn't need the money, but like somebody who's in the movie, who's getting paid scale, maybe not even scale, who, you know, doesn't own a home, doesn't have, you know what I mean? Isn't, doesn't have an agent, but he's still up there performing the hell out of what you're seeing, you know, whatever movie you're watching performing, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit more, you almost like you feel like you're one of them. You feel like, you know, they're doing it well. I can do it. Or maybe to that respect. I feel like that affects people like us who that's what we want to do as well. And we I, can I, see ourselves up there. I, I I mean, I've always said, I just want to see a great story. That's yeah. it. I don't care who's in it. I don't care if it's a good story. It's a good story. But like it just because there's named actors in it, if it's not a good story, then I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, ooh, it's awesome. True. I mean, I do like also when a, like a big name actor might do their own film. Mm hmm. So I'm going to make my own independent. Okay. In that case, I do like it. If like, you know, Chris Evans, who I, I can see him doing a lot more stuff like that now, goes out and goes, I'm going to make this film because I want to make it. And he becomes maybe, I can see him starting to direct, but I could definitely see him producing and maybe writing and starring in his own stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. That's fine. Yeah. Like now that I've made it, I want to make these films. As long as he has people that he can help lift up as well, then that that's fine. I get that. That, that makes sense. I, I'm just curious if you there was a distinction for you between those two, you know, an indie with a big star or just an indie. Mm. Cause I like, like the, an indie with a big star is no longer an indie, whether it has a lot of budget or not. Well, you already have the blueprint of what happens when like in the nineties, early nineties, you know, independent cinema was big. Independent productions were huge. You had, you know, movies like, you know, Kevin Smith coming out, you had Richard Linkletter, you had all these like big name, they're big name now. Right. Back then they weren't. Yeah. And they all had all these like mini production companies were out there and they all got bought up. They all got bought up by the big, the big guys and, and they, all the nineties, all that nineties indie stuff got co-opted into studio, Corporate studio movies. Yeah. yeah. And they just became less and less interesting. And and it's also kind of the end of the mid budget film though. I think hopefully it's making a comeback, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can make you, you, you're not getting, you're getting less funded indie films in terms of like under $5 million budgets. You're getting under under five, to, well, under you're, ten you're to getting, five. You're, getting, you're people, getting over sixty. Right. Well, getting you're getting you're getting people that are making that on their own, and then studios will buy them. But yes. They're not giving money for that, like in terms of like the production. They're not. They're like, oh yeah, go make the movie. If we like it, we'll buy it. Like that's what you're getting. Yeah. That's what the festival season is all about. Whoring yourself out there for studios. You do it. Uh, no, I don't. When did I do that? Yeah, you put your scripts out there. Oh so. yeah, but that's uh I've kind of had a I've kind of had a shift in thinking on that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. But I hear you. No, I, I I hear you. So uh so yeah. So if you're looking for a musical, no, I, I I like this movie and I think people should watch it. It's a very good it's a very good uplifting movie. I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I yeah. mean I thought I'd like it, but this will probably be on the low end of views for people for our for our podcast because I've probably never even heard of it. But that's what this podcast is about. Forgotten films. It's about forgotten films. And you found movie. this where on Prime? I found this on Amazon Prime through I guess IMDB has IMDB TV now. Mm-hmm. So some of their they have movies up there that you do have two ads in between. There are commercial breaks with two ads in between each one, but it's free. And I'm interested to see how much other stuff they have on there because I believe that's new. I've never seen that before. I mean, it's only three years old, this movie. Well, four, because we'll be in 2020. But it's only, I mean, it's not old. So, I mean. No, it's not old. Yeah. So, it should be still be available. Yeah. And it's, it's. I mean, it's still available for rent everywhere. Anywhere you go, you can rent it. You can rent it on any um, service. And even though, I mean, if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to watch a movie that's, you know, four years old already, blah, blah, blah. It does have a timeless feel because it, it's filmed now, but it takes place in the 80s. So. I'm listening. It it doesn't really have, and even even then, its '80s feel isn't necessarily like they don't throw the '80s out. They don't throw up '80s on you, other than like the music. No. You just know you're in the '80s. You just know you're in the '80s, but it doesn't like show. Oh, and here's an old car. Remember this old thing? Yeah, it's not like Pepsi. Stranger Things '80s where you're like, oh man, they've got those. Yeah, oh, they're just as Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, '80s. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is this is the music of the '80s. It could take place in any time period, and he mentions. Right. Back to the Future, and no one knows what it is. Yeah, well, that's this, about the only it, big. This thing movie is almost like it was shot in the eighties, like because it's indie. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like it could have been a movie shot back then. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all real sets. It's a house, and there aren't that many locations either, which is nice. Right. No, it's good. Yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit, and that's why we picked it, or I picked it, or you picked you, it. I you, picked it. You picked it. Right. You that, picked it. I was interested because right. you said it was the same guy who did once, right. and I really like excellent. Once. So check it out, Sing Street. Yeah. Now next week is a movie that. I put on the list. 
that you wanted to do because you had never seen it. I also didn't know that it was kind of a prequel. Ridiculous. Ridiculous to, uh, what was the name of the movie? What's the name of the Will Smith movie? Oh, Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State. Right. So Butler, so next week, we are done talking about Sing Street. So next (laughs) week, we are going to return with a movie that Butler didn't know existed. And that is the, oh man, is it 1974? It's either 73 or 74. I think it's 74. But anyways, uh, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, The Conversation, starring Gene Hackman, who Butler did not know is a kind of pre... It's not It's not technically a prequel to Enemy of the State. But he just happens to be the same character. But the Gene Hackman character from Enemy of the State is supposed to be the character from The Conversation. Yes. The Conversation. Did you ever see the movie Blowout? That's what uh, Travolta, where he's he's a sound engineer. You never heard that? Oh man. Okay, so we're doing the conversation next week, <laughs> but I want to. But it's very similar to a movie called Blowout, where, where Travolta is um, getting sounds. He's an audio. He's a sound technician for a film, and he's just out. He's just out getting sound. That's all he's doing. He's like, oh, just getting sound for like B roll stuff. Just yeah. to kind of put. In, and he hears a gunshot, and he gets involved in this like conspiracy. <laughs> so that's another one we should do, which I'll put on the Interesting. list. Interesting. All right, Brian De Palma. Okay. So yeah, but um, yeah, but next week we're doing the conversation. Uh, I have seen it. It's awesome. I love this movie, and uh, I hope Butler loves it as well. And we'll see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't if, know if I can find it. I might own it, but I don't know. Okay. But anyways, I guess uh, you got anything else to add? As I knock into my mic, you got anything else to add? I got nothing else to add. Sweet. Man. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on uh, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, we're under the Forgotten Cinema name. We're also at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. Feel free to reach us out at ForgottenCinemaPod at gmail.com mm-hmm. or our contact page on the webpage. Um, we do take suggestions. We do, uh, you know, we do have a list of we already have our list broken down for our next season. But, you know, if you make a suggestion, we are willing to bump stuff. So That's that, right. Absolutely. So we're OK with that. Because we want to do stuff that you guys want to hear us talk about. And, uh, you know, so it's all it's all about you, the fans. And uh, I guess I would add, if you'd like, you can also pop over to ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com and go to our store page. And uh, Oh, is that active now? It will be. Absolutely. Oh, we're selling stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. Feel free to drop on by our store page. You can pick up T-shirts, stickers, uh, hats, jackets, and leggings, uh, even a pair of leggings if you'd like. Apparently because somebody's fiance wanted leggings. And she got them. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.